Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Chris and Andy, of course, uh, with us. And as usual, I want to ask you guys, how was uh, your week, your respective weeks in uh, real estate? Good morning. <laughs> hey. All right. What do you think? How do you think the week went? Mr. You know, Prasky. it was kind of exciting for some of us that are watching interest rates. We saw interest rates drop a little bit at the Fed level, I know. which hopefully that rolls over to mortgages. Right. You know, not, it, it doesn't always correlate directly. It's, you know, more of the economy. But now with the stock market not necessarily loving the news this week, that mm-hmm. may then soften the mortgage rates. So. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and obviously that all helps. We kind of did the, the old doldrum of uh, July, and hopefully August is going to kind of uh, change. Mm-hmm. Now, we still had stuff that would sell, yeah. but it just wasn't as vibrant vibrant as it was in June. Yeah, I'm still feeling that pent-up energy where there's that – you know, in my opinion, there's a lot of segments of the housing market that are not going up. And the ones that are going up are the ones that have the most pressure on them for lack of inventory. And so we're seeing those where there's the, you know, uh, you pick the price range in the certain pockets of the city where it's, let's say, that 250 to 350. There's so much pressure on that price point. People are paying for more than what it really is worth. And so I'm seeing where those areas are appreciating faster just because they're so in demand. And so what we're seeing is, I think, some artificial appreciation there where it shouldn't be that aggressive. It should be a little softer, um, but overall, it's been a little slower. I mean, it just—it's—it's it's been a nice, yeah, normal yeah. kind of summer. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you. I think what else has helped. I mean, it's helped us. We've put on some uh, some real good listings over these last weeks, and it's—it feels like you know we do three of them, two of them sell, and then one kind of just hangs yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. And uh, to me, it's <laughs> what it's, what's happened here is that people are. Um, well, what I've preached to them is that, you know what? Hey, this July has been slower. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure we do this exactly right. And we'll come on the market. And it hasn't hurt you that you've missed. Um, so like this weekend, we're uh, putting one on uh, that was uh, that didn't sell the last time mm-hmm. with somebody else. And there was some kind of some clear-cut things that I felt had to happen mm-hmm. to be able to change the, the look of this listing. And this whole July it gave us the opportunity to do it. Rather than, yeah. hey, let's get right back on the market and go mm-hmm. after it, hey, we'll take that little break. We don't, we'll get new photos. We'll kind of restage it in a, in a way. And people have to know that something's changed. Yeah. And obviously it's – it's showing. Well, with, uh, the so showings. What, about, what about you, though? I mean, are you seeing a lot of move up buyers? Are you personally seeing, you know, just executive moves or what are you seeing in your All I've been dealing with is roof problems this really? last week. Um, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, from that that swatch that hit the south of the river, yeah. we have seven different roofs that we're kind of dealing with mm. in the insurance process. But whether it's, hey, the, it's a listing, it yep. sales. I mean, they're supposed to be closing, you know, and you're trying to be able to. You know, you got problems with, hey, we can't escrow the money because right. we don't have enough money proceeds coming to me. I got to buy right. another house. 
Can we assign it from the insurance company? What the mortgage company is going to tell you? I mean, it's you, crazy. You need any help with that? Let me know because I dealt with that last year and the year before in Blaine and Brooklyn Park. Yeah, every listing I had got shredded. It was like you know <laughs> Swiss cheese. But did on the you roofs. find out that I mean every insurance company does it different, completely different. Yeah, and some. But it doesn't mean you can't sell your house. I mean, I had a house right. that I, a townhouse I sold in Blaine where it was destroyed. I mean, windows were broken. I mean, the whole thing, and we were under contract. So. The, the buyer said, well, yeah, it's all going to get fixed. No problem. We still want to buy it. The insurance company comes and does their inspection. And it was, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and so then it was a little more work on our part, making sure that we had timelines and who's doing the work and the association had approved the work and it was going to be done. Right. Um, but then they did want escrows for those amounts. And then, you know, they sat there for like almost eight months before that association finally got that work done on those buildings. So it, it does require a little patience on the buyer's behalf in some cases, but if you really find a cool property and you really want it, it might be worth the wait. Yeah, and I tell you, the other part is is that I want to caution people um, that think they have damage. Mm-hmm. Get a contractor out there that you trust first yep. before you call the insurance company and have them come out because yeah. what it does is it, it gets a ping against your house. Right. And we had one that, um, I mean, it was totally honest. Hey, we, we have damage. You know, someone told me we had damage. Mm-hmm. They came out and said, you know what? Your damage is not enough. You don't want to do it because you're deductible. Mm-hmm. Well, they had two supposed claims against it. Mm-hmm. Those two claims are now out there known mm-hmm. with the roof being 18 years old. The buyer went out to try to get insurance and their policy is two, almost three times the amount yep. that it would have been. Yep. Now that's one of the roofs that well, actually got hit Chris, by the storm. That's, that's a great, uh, you know, a very interesting topic. There's a lot of people back in the day when there were some distressed sales happening in short sales where there would be hail damage and these people were taking the insurance money and just keeping it. And then they were living right. in the house with the hail damage. And then that house goes to get down the road gets sold. A lot of people don't realize that there is a national record for those insurance companies that they all keep track of that, that, Hey, there was an insurance claim open, money was paid, and there was nothing done to the house, or there was no final, you know, inspection to to pay off the final um, amount that's due to the contractor. So, the good news on that is that the claims are still half paid. So sometimes, if you find a distressed owner that is in that situation, you want to work with them. You still want the house. Maybe you pay the first half, the seven thousand, and the other seven grand comes from the insurance company, as long as everybody agrees to pay. Right. But it's otherwise, if you can't, it can be a real stickle. And here's stick. when you know that little database yeah. that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Usually, when that's found out, mm-hmm. is towards closing. And so we've already done the inspection. Hey, maybe the inspector missed it. You know mm-hmm. that hey didn't see any of that damage. But it comes back when, hey, I'm going to get insurance. And people typically don't do their insurance till the end. Mm-hmm. And then they go in and, and the insurance guy says, well, geez, they've had three claims on on, on that house. And right. it doesn't look like nothing has been fixed. And it's like, whoa, hold on a minute. And now it becomes renegotiation time. Yeah. You know, and that's that's not a that's not a good thing. Well, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, and I shouldn't say a lot, but there are a few people out there that don't understand how insurance works. And, and we've been lucky enough to be around the industry long enough to understand how it works. You don't get penalized for having a claim against your roof when it's a major incident like that where it's, you know, uh, storm hits like uh, like hail, for example. You're not personally penalized. People think, well, I don't want to have the claim against my insurance. And so a lot of times they don't even call it in. And so you're the only guy on the street that didn't have his roof redone. You, it, there's no there's no benefit to not turning it in. You know, you might as well turn it in, update with everybody else. And actually, you know, for some of the neighborhoods that I was working with in, in Blaine, no, no offense, but... The siding materials that were put on those houses, they were national builders, and these national builders used national builder quality materials, and so the houses looked tired. So when the hail hits these areas, it actually really improved the look of the neighborhood. I mean, 
it actually revitalized and actually, I think, helped property values. So in a weird way, the hail helped. I, don't <laughs> no, know I think I... that's what's interesting with our purchase agreement for mm-hmm. us is that um, it states on our purchase agreement. So if we have a signed contract and we're going to closing, mm-hmm. there's a risk of loss provision. And that risk of loss provision is for things like this. Mm-hmm. So stuff that happened in act of God, hail, tornado, earthquake, whatever happens. But it does put the burden on the seller in which to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what. The buyer has obviously has the right to be able to cancel and get out of it, but there might be significant equity earned because of that storm. Sure, you know, and well, we've, also, I've had that too, where people have said, "Hey, like now, that, now that it has new siding, new roof, and new windows on the one side of the house, the house should sell for more, right?" Right, and we're already under contract, and you yeah. go, "Uh, well." Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, I tell you, we we brought in uh, Mike Brennan um, and us in the real just estate. Just to fact check us a little bit, exactly. <laughs> we, we, you know, we believe me, that. I think he he was writing down notes when every time you talked. I don't know what he meant by that, but uh, <laughs> he, yeah. he uses red when he makes your notes. Though, us so. guys, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> highlighters. Um, but uh, Mike is with uh, Minnesota Real Estate's Realty School, okay. And I'll tell you, um, us us realtors yeah. obviously know who he is. We've had him uh, teach us uh, the different things about forums. But uh, so we're we're going to try to get him to change a bunch of things for us. Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure if you can you do that for us, Mike. I wish I could. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could. Yeah, there's a lot of things about um, the the contracts that we have that you know, Andy. We've talked about it quite a bit. The inspection, mm-hmm. how that changed. Yeah, you know, which is, uh, and, and we can get into that once we go into another segment. But sure. uh, why don't Mike? Why don't you just tell people? Um, Minnesota Real, Minnesota Realty School, um, and just kind of a couple things about yourself, and then we'll, as we get into the segments, we'll talk about the different forums and cool. stuff. So oh, absolutely, good? and I really appreciate it, Chris yeah. and Andy. Thank you for having me. But I've been in real estate for, oh, about 27 years now and started teaching pre-licensing courses, and I taught that for a number of years at uh, another real estate school, opened up the Minnesota Realty School in 2012. And pretty much all, well, pretty much all I do now is teach real estate full time, both to people getting their license as well as for you folks in the field, the continuing education, the burdens that you have to jump over every year to make sure that you're on top of these things like form changes and radon level uh, updates and, and things like this. So I, I see all my friends in the trades in these ballrooms when we meet and we talk all that type <laughs> of fun stuff and sometimes in the parking lot with Andy, but that's another story for another day. Um, so I've been doing this for a period of time, and I used to sit on the board of directors for the State Board of Realtors. I did a lot of volunteer work as, for that as well. So, uh, But all I do nowadays is just teach real estate stuff full-time. That's all yeah. I do. So there's someone that uh, – He's I mean, also a full-time entertainer, though. I don't know if you've ever taken his yeah. classes, but <laughs> I chuckle more than I – you know, it's good stuff. And from the back row, too. Because yeah. yeah. I come well, in a half hour late as I yeah. miss the sign-in sheet. You know, When he's on his computer and you yeah. have to hey, – Andy, uh, yeah, uh, trip up. So, all right. Well, I think, Denny, you're going to go to that break? Yes, we do. All right. You read my mind. We're going to take a bit of a break. You'll be right back with more of the real estate show. And let's get back to the real estate show here on Newstalk A3OWCCU. And here again, Chris and Andy. Okay. Yep. We're back with uh, Mike Brennan. He's with Minnesota Realty School. And uh, he's... Uh has confirmed that Andy does show up late uh, to his classes, but he we, does listen. Does, with, he, does he participate? Well, he comes within time, so he always gets the credit, so that way he gets the time <laughs> credit. within the legal day. parameters. Yes, he's within the time frames. Ask but, Mr. Galler. It's, it's yeah, all legal. It's all legal, yeah. and he definitely does participate. Yeah, we like to give Andy a hard time because sometimes yeah. you know we'll, we'll be on the show. Where all of a sudden we're going on, and Danny will come to me, and we'll start talking, and all of a sudden here comes Andy flying in the door. He gets to his <laughs> microphone, and then it's like flawless. It's like he's been listening to us the 
the whole time, oh and he just jumps in <laughs> after he catches his breath. Well, <laughs> you guys have told me for years. I didn't know the show started at 10. You told me it started yeah, at 9.30, so, you know. That's why I guess we have Lisa in charge, because she's the woman who gets him. Uh, oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. my secret sauce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some forms. I mean, is there? How about any changes that have happened lately? Well, there's not been a lot of changes in the Minnesota Realtor forms. And what's sort of interesting is that the uh, the form changes that did occur were minor punctuation grammar changes. There was a few clarity um, pieces given. To for example, you were talking about the inspection contingency and on the roofing piece. And what's really interesting, uh, the whole roofing thing. You know, when a seller is selling their property, they've made some changes last year that are fairly significant that a seller of a property should know. For example, it asks questions, have you ever filed an insurance claim? So now when the uh, buyer is looking at these disclosure forms, they can check this out to see, has this seller even filed for Which I think is good. And I think it's really good because... Sometimes sellers forget what they did, yeah. you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And that yep. disclosure statement helps them. I mean, when yep. you do a specific question like that, yep. I think it's good. And, and Chris, when you brought up the fact that it's sometimes two weeks before the closing, when the purchaser goes out and says to their insurance producer, yo, I need an insurance policy. Then they go into that clue database, the comprehensive limited underwriting database in the insurance trades. They all share that. They all know what's going on, and bang, we find out now that we can't do an insurance policy for less than three times normal cost. Well, that throws kind of a wrinkle when they're trying to get their insurance binder, and it really throws things up badly and potentially harms the closing. Well, I think the other thing is I think it's still better that it does come up before closing because if that comes up after, you know, we we all still have options if we haven't closed yet. We can walk away. The seller doesn't have to sell, you know, but once it's closed and all of a sudden there's a hailstorm, it comes through, they say, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, they used to have that. We're not going to give you any money for your roof. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And, you know, referencing that whole risk of loss act, you know, there's boilerplate language in the contracts from the Minnesota Association of Realtors, and it says risk of loss. If the property comes minimally or substantially damaged by wind, fire, flood, act of God, basically the meat and potatoes of that contract says if the house is damaged, you have the right to cancel the contract. But it doesn't give any, like, specifics, you know, what's damage? A hailstone broke my window pane? Well, there's damage. Is that considered a risk of loss? So, unfortunately, there is some ambiguity there. There is. And that, and, and therein lies the problem. I think with a lot of the contract, there's some ambiguity that uh, we have. Um, I don't know. I I keep going. Andy hears it all the time because I kind of get on my soapbox and, and I talk mm-hmm. about it. And it's kind of like, you know, what what is the ramifications if you don't? And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. And the ramifications if you don't, it's like from a seller standpoint on the seller side, it's like, no, you can't do that. What are you going to do about it? The buyer can say. And then at that point, it's like, what, what can I do about it? And, and that brings up a good point. We have contracts. They have a lot of clauses, obligations, duties that each party is supposed to perform. But if somebody doesn't perform as per the contract, what are you going to do? Right. Sue me? Right. That type of thing. Right. Which could, and you can. You can, yeah. yeah. But that could affect the sale of the property because now all of a sudden it's sitting on the market with a lawsuit on it and bang, we can't sell it to a new buyer. The buyer can't purchase. And what's going to be the rationalization for suing somebody in that event? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is it worth it? I mean, yeah. it all comes that's, down to is that's it worth it? That's the key it? thing. Is right. it, what's the fight? What's the benefit of the fight? Yeah. Is it worth waiting 16 months or whatever to fight this thing out versus just saying, you know what, I'm going to cancel. We'll give you your money back. Go away. Find somebody else to bug, not us. Yeah. And let's That's why I wish on. someone would, though, because someone there has mm-hmm. to be some accountability. And there's just not a lot well, of accountability. Well, how about anymore? earnest money right now? I, I yeah. look at earnest money as being a complete joke because, I mean, we put it down and then it's always refunded because people want to move on to the next buyer. Yeah. 
and it, it really doesn't have the teeth that it used to where you, you know, say, yep, here's five grand. And if we screw up or walk away or change our mind, you keep it. That yeah. just doesn't and lay it, out that and way. If anymore. you look at it from the buyer's perspective, it's really interesting. The earnest money refund goes to them like 99% of the time, according mm-hmm. to the contract. If the inspection is bum, if the financing becomes uh, denied, unless we're in that one or two week window prior to closing mm-hmm. where the loan is filled out that form. If we filled yeah, out that yeah, form, we check the box and we check the correct box and the loan's fully approved and then the buyer doesn't close for any reason, then they're at risk for their earnest money. But 99% of the time, the buyer gets the earnest money back. So what's the meat, what's the teeth, you know, in that one? Right. And well, here, and here's the other thing. So even if that all did work out just the way you said, yeah. and then, so we said, okay, sign the cancellation, and the seller gets their earnest money, and they say, I ain't signing that. Yep. You know, now now we have to force them to, in which to sign it. Exactly. i got to go through court in which to do it. And it is. It's So what? here's what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Mike, get on this. <laughs> what I want this is yeah. <laughs> I want all of the purchase agreements to be able to include language that I know Andy uses sometimes on his contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be in the right leverage position to be able to do it is to be able to say that, you know what? The earnest money is hard from the beginning. Yeah. And you know what? If you I mean, obviously, if you not an inspection, but any time from that inspection on, yeah. you know, unless yeah. maybe they don't qualify. But th- that hurts. That hurts the you, seller. Oh, absolutely. You know, all of a sudden, if they unqualify themselves, yeah. maybe it's, hey, if you lose your job, you know, or if someone was to pass away. Right. But that that earnest money is some damages. Well, you, you find out real quick yeah. when you add language like that to a contract if you have a real buyer or not. Because the buyers yeah. will come in and then they, they've always been in the back of their mind thinking that, you know, if I need to get out, I can get out. But in reality, if you have it where, like, for an example, I've been through a couple of contracts where as a listing agent, we've had hurdles to go through where you're like, is this going to stay together? Is it not going to stay together? Is their financing good? Is it not good? Is the appraisal? Whatever. And it gets to the point of where we say, okay, here's the line in the sand. From this point going forward, if you continue, your money is now deposited and non-refundable. And it's amazing to me how many people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and I'm saying, and, all walk I'm asking, away and, stop. And, and they'll walk away because they don't want their $5,000 to be at jeopardy of being lost. And yep. it's like, but that's but the whole point of Andy, earnest money. Yeah. yeah. But it's also because no one else will do it. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. oh, geez, you're only listing that'll do that. You know, and you tell your sellers that, hey, we can certainly ask for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's going to happen is another question but, because yeah. no one else does it. But it shows you their confidence in their ability to perform as well. Right. I mean, so yeah. if you're being pushed against the edge of the cliff and you have contingencies and responsibilities to perform on, and then this person can't perform, at least that five grand helps burden or put a little mm-hmm. parachute on your and back. And here's the right. other thing, too, that we can throw out there. Mm-hmm. from uh, um, We talk about multiple offers. We get calls all the time about multiple offers. Oh, we lost. You know, what can we do to get them? La, la, la. And to me, it's like, hey, why don't we add that in? You know what? My earnest money is non-refundable after the inspection period. Mm-hmm. You know, for for any reason, you yeah. know, because there that is like a trigger to a listing agent or it should be a trigger to a listing agent yeah. that, whoa, OK, this one's for certain. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sellers out there that want certainty. They don't want, oh, geez, geez, if I can if I can get a new job that, uh, you know, flies me to Paris on Thursday, then I can be able to qualify <laughs> and pay you this money. You know, sounds, sounds reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work with your buyer. Okay, Denmark, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Not Paris. But, you know, one thing that's interesting when you're bringing this up and for the listeners specifically is that in dealing with that type of language and those tactics in negotiation, mm-hmm. that those types of things really need to be handled appropriately and well. And so, for example, when we were visiting it in classes and things like this. The depth of knowledge that you guys have 
you know, you've been around for what two and a half weeks now doing real estate. <laughs> yeah, get it? I'm on the third. Week. Finally, okay, tried on my deal. <laughs> yeah. Been doing the show for eleven years, but I just got licensed. Okay, so. but but with that, you know, you guys have been doing this for a while, and to hear the understanding of the covenants, the clauses, and the contract. If there was a different agent out there, and they're listening to this, and they say, "Well, I'll make that a part of my PA, my." Per- they might not do it appropriately. So handling that type of tactic with an experienced agent would be of ultimate paramount importance. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I think in some ways, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the old Minnesota Realty School kind of a boost here, sure. is that I really think that there should be some classes that completely just go over those forms. Right. You know, sometimes we have to do continuing ed. We have to have 15 hours a year, but I wish there was another class that was maybe it could be extra or part of it that really goes over those forms and really what those mean. And that's interesting because in our school, for example, we have when a new person comes in to get their license, we make them write up five purchase agreements. We show them a couple of times and then they explain it to each other a couple of times. And then they have to explain to the entire class, what did they fill in there? Um, it's a very arduous task to go through all those very legal things and understand how to explain them, mm-hmm. but it's very important. Chris and I have done that for years where guys and gals that are on our team, we say the first thing I ask them to do is I say, pick one of my listings and write an offer that you're presenting to me representing a buyer. Yeah. I want the buyer contract filled out. I want the purchase agreement filled out, and I want it presented to me how you'd present it in real life. Totally. And they're like, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so that's, that's where the, you know. Yeah, totally. We'll, we'll get more to that after the break. All right, guys, hang on. We have about another half hour of the show to go. We'll be right back with more real estate. And welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCU. And here again, Chris and Andy. Okay, we're back. Uh, Mike Brennan, Realty School, Mr. And Andrew Prasky, Andy yeah. Prasky at Prasky.com, right? I don't know what to say right now. Yes, that's yeah. me. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for checking my ID, boss. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we do have to have a clarification because I think we're seeing that people are wondering why we're only been licensed two and a half and three weeks. But I've actually um, on year 29. Wow. Year 29. How about you, Mr. Andy? You know, uh, Can't remember? I think it was 90. So, yeah, 18 years. 18 and 19 from, 90, well, you from got, 1990. You got to add another 10 years on that. <laughs> so How about the, 2000? Thank God they didn't have a math portion in the test. Yeah, so it's 2019 it. right now. It's 20, so. so it's 29. <laughs> you haven't been in 29. When did you get licensed? You can't remember. What did I say? I said 90, right? 90. 90. That's when I got licensed. That's 2019. So 19 years. Yeah. We both, uh, actually, Andy and I that's both. Too, that's sad that I can't remember when I started. Yeah. Our family was in real estate, too. Yeah, you both know, of ours, yeah. Still, yeah so. Been around yeah. our whole lives. That's why yeah. it doesn't. See, those kind of things to me, I guess I don't think about them enough. That's why I don't dwell back. Yeah. But I, it's been a long time. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out to everybody listening. And we're just yeah. ribbing on the amount of time you're in the business. We're yeah. just ribbing on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, but it, it's, it's, been, I mean, it's been fun doing this. Yeah. Uh, for, we've done it a lot of Saturdays. We're going oh, yeah. on 11 years of doing it and uh, always have good guests. And yeah. um, You guys are beginning to look good. like each other, as a matter of fact. Really? Yeah. We wear the same outfits. It's same like a dog style. and its owner. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the owner, by the way. <laughs> well, Anyways. I guess rough, rough. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Andy. Goodbye. Okay, so let's talk about um, what it takes for an agent actually to get licensed yep. and what schooling they have to get within that first year. Oh, yeah, and it's really quite easy. There's just uh, three 30-hour classes, so a total of 90 hours. And a person can do it online. They can do them live in a classroom. And we offer them live in our Bloomington and Roseville locations. 
So uh, getting that there is an exam, and it is a fairly difficult test nowadays. Mm-hmm. A mean, lot of people are flunking that thing. A lot. I I've mean, heard, yeah. Doing multiple times. Yeah. Well, I, good, though, right? I mean, I we, think don't so want, too. we want a little barrier to entry into this. Well, I, guess, I got some bad news because we stand at about 80% of our students pass the test on the first try, only wow. because we, and we do things a little differently. Like we take them out on a tour of a house in course three, yeah. and then we identify what's an air exchanger, what's a furnace. and oh, geez, That's that. awesome. And that's good. Just right in the contract part? Yep. I mean, because yep. we were talking about that before the break, and I'm telling you, Mm-hmm. Usually they come out of real estate school and they have no clue. I, right. And I believe I've said, hey, all right, right, kind of forget what you just learned there. Yeah. And now we have to do real life. Yep. And so thank goodness it's real life is happening. And, and of course, one, you know, you learn theory, but theory is one thing. Doing it in practice is another. And two and three, we do the practice stuff. But in the continuing education, I'm writing a class right now, the required module, which is all about energy efficiency this coming year for all of you realtor members. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is coming down to, like, if I'm buying a house, a big burden for my first-time home buyers are going to be, what's my electric bill? What's my gas bill going to be? Yeah. And what we're seeing now, for example, in new construction, the scores for uh, energy efficiency. And this is a topic that many people are interested in but never yeah. really dive into. Well, I think there's so many other uh, shiny objects that people focus on when they're writing those offers. They're looking at house after house. They finally get, you know, the eight out of ten things they're looking for in a home. They write the offer, and then they realize, oh, it has a 19-whatever furnace, and it's going to need its replacement, or you're going to pay 600 bucks a month for heat. Exactly, exactly. Or or you're going to be spending $6,000 to replace the heating plant. (laughs) <laughs> Boom, you know, right out of the gate when yeah. you just p- took your life savings and put it into your down payment. So it's yeah. it's something to, you know, be cognizant of that you as experienced yeah. agents are aware of, and we're trying to get the newer agents to be cognizant of. Well, I think well. a lot of those younger buyers that are coming in now, they are fairly well educated on the fact that they want to buy something that's complete. Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of the first-time buyers or the, you know, the uh, maybe second-time buyer, they're coming in and they know exactly what they want. They don't want to have those big projects. And right. so... Chris, I don't know about your opinion on this, but I think I'm seeing more sellers that are coming to market with ready-to-list needs nothing, and they have more totally. success with yeah. that. Way more. Get and it done. You know, and- you know, a lot of people, what they do is they have they can finance it. Mm-hmm. They don't have the money to fix it up right. or the vision and yeah. how to do it. Yep, how to look past all of that stuff. Yep. yep. You know, realtors are great at being able to look past all of the, the dirty laundry on the floor and that type mm-hmm. of thing to see what the actual meat and potatoes of the house is. But it's really interesting to see what's happening with the marketplace with the millennials, Gen X, and Gen Y coming into the market now and buying these, as you were alluding to earlier, that $200,000, $250,000. It's a very interesting – it's a different buying mentality than has been in the past. Neither good nor bad, just different. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to be a realtor in the future. I think, uh, you know, we Andy and I have talked about those a lot, and the millennials get kind of a bad rap, but I just haven't seen it. I've had very – like – like really respons- like they're really responsible. They, the millennials than- that have their act together have yeah. it really together. And you yeah. know what's interesting for the millennials yeah. getting into the trade? They're making $95,000 in their second year in real estate. Wow. Yeah. And they're just jumping out. And this is a J-O-B. We're going to go out and make some money doing yeah. this. So the millennials, you know, they do get that bad rap, as you were just alluding to. But, man, I got to tell you, they're a really uh, good group, really mm. good group. I've got some great millennials on my team. And, you know, it's – the, the grasp and the comfort level with technology and the, the comfort level with being an information provider and educator, I think, comes natural to that generation. Yep, yep. And that they don't have that Gen X, uh, let's sell you stuff today, guys, come on in, <laughs> you know, the timeshare, you kind of, which is easy because we, like, even like with video, I think this is something interesting, too, as we've integrated more video into our marketing campaigns yep. and whatever, and uh, the different generations like the Gen Xers want their hair perfect and the, the suit has to be just right. Mm-hmm. A millennial just walks in and says, hey, this is an awesome house. Check it out. Wouldn't this be a fun place to have a party? <laughs> you know, or whatever. And it's it's a nice, relaxing way to present a property. 
And, and I think that that's something that I've learned from my younger agents on my team, too, is just, you know, hey, have fun with it. You look yeah. like you look. You sound like you sound. Get out there and, and, and just get the yeah. product out. Well, I think yeah. the other thing is, too, is that they're, I mean, obviously grew up in the Internet phase. And mm-hmm. so they've they know how to find stuff, too. Yeah. Oh, and, and they have all the knowledge. And I mean, yeah. the uh, buyers that I've worked for and now they're starting to sell, too. Um they're just, they're very educated yeah. mm-hmm. in yeah. what it is, and which is which is fantastic because we always talk about when we're selling. You know, you got obviously you got to price it right. You got to have yeah. it looking good, but you got to give them the information to make a decision. Exactly. And that's and, a lot. You know, they're going to go to Chris's good. website. They're going to go to Andy's website. Uh-huh. They'll go to advplus.com, dot uh, Remax Advantage Plus. They'll Who's check. Who's that? I, I think that's Eric's. <laughs> Thing. I, oh, okay. okay, that little company out there, yeah. and uh, <laughs> where, that's where the dog belongs to. Yeah, over there. yeah. yeah. What, what's interesting is that they go to those websites. I, I have a kennel there. Yeah. <laughs> but then they'll call you up and say, "Hi, Chris, I want you to show me listing number five zero one two three four five zero one." And they're they're calling us up with that information, but they still need you, the realtor yeah, members, to go so, through that. Process. So the interesting thing, I was just was watching out in Inman, out in Las Vegas. They had a big convention out there. And uh, we, they were talking about how people are using some of these discount brokerages to just get the showings. Yeah. They're calling the, the websites and they're doing whatever. Get a showing, showing, showing. And then when they're ready to write the offer, they call their trusted friend, family member, the person that they follow. Yeah. But the other thing real quick, Chris, is that the – or Mike too, I guess. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of these people uh, in that demographic where they're coming to us, they've already researched us. They've already read all of our reviews. Yeah. They know all about you, and they come to you and act like they're just meeting you, but they know everything about you. Yeah, I love I it. That's true. That's true. That is really good. All right. I guess we got to go to our last segment. Yes, we do. We'll take a quick break here. Chris and Andy will be uh, back with more of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk A3OWCCO. And welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on News Talk A3OWCCO. And here once again, Chris and Andy. All right. We're back. Uh, it goes fast, doesn't it, Mike? Yep. You bet. We told you. We told you it would go like fast. We talk a lot. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I always say that, you know, people say, oh, you're, you're on the radio. I said, no, I'm a realtor that's on the radio. I know yeah. I've been doing, we've been doing it a long time, but we leave it to the, to the pros that know what they're doing on that side. <laughs> yeah. I've been told I have a face for radio. Really? Yeah. yeah I don't know. I've, I think I've heard that too. <laughs> yeah. I always tell people, I, they say, oh gosh, yeah, we hear you on your radio. I said, a lot, I'm a lot better looking than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Andy? You have that experience? I, you know, it's funny, but everybody always says to me when I when I meet them for the first time, they're listeners of the show, and yeah. they look at me and they go, "I always pictured you to be like a really short, fat guy." <laughs> he gives away, and I go, oh, nice. "I go, I don't know how to. Is that, is that good, or yeah. is that what you don't call?" Or yeah. <laughs> they don't realize they I'm always, six I, two. When and, I say your yeah. name, they always just kind of laugh. I don't know why. That's kind of their Maybe first because you impression. just told them I have a kennel at Advantage Plus. Yeah. That's what it is. That, that's yeah. possible. Very possible. So Those buyers, reps, and inside sales agents are kept in those kennels. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, Mike Brandon, Minnesota Realty School. Um, yeah. Question. Yep. How many people are coming into the industry? Yeah. Is, it, is it going, is it more? Interesting question. You know, I get numbers every month from the testing facility, and I also keep on top of what commerce is doing for licensing. But we're keeping um, annually right now, we're keeping at about a pace of 2,200 people a year testing. And then for the people going out and getting their examinations, so it's about a couple hundred a month. And then for the people who are actually passing the test, going through the process, and then applying, it drops down to about 125 to 150. So it's coming out to about 1,800 people per year are getting into the trade. Now, that might make you say, wow, we're swelling the ranks. We're getting really, really large. But actually, uh, for the listeners, you can't see me, but I have white hair. There's a lot of us white-haired people here that are retiring or maybe getting out of the trade. So with the attrition and with the additions, 
What's happening is we're floating, and we've been consistent. About twenty-four to twenty-six thousand people are consistently being licensed with the ebb and flow of people getting in and leaving. Didn't they? Mike, mm. Wasn't I? Maybe you don't have the stat off the top of your head, but I thought it was like our average age of our average real realtor is like fifty-eight. It was, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's old. It's surprisingly older yeah. than I thought it was. Yeah, way older than us. Yeah, way older yeah. than all of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that older generation, but it is. I mean, yeah. and I yeah. right. was it something like under thirty years old? It's like only six percent of it. Very small percentage. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you know, you look back in the two thousand six timeframe when we were in the big expansion mode of real estate, we had forty two thousand people licensed versus today twenty five thousand. Hmm. When was there forty thousand? It was almost forty two thousand people in two thousand six, seven, eight wow. before the crash. Wow. And then, of course, obviously, after the crash, there was a lot of attrition that way. But it's still like with realtors, too. It's about half don't sell anything. Yeah. In at looking least. at it, yeah, it's the 80-20 rule. And like in every sales organization, the top 20% of agents sell 80% of the listings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people, maybe they get their license, they want to be an investor, and then they realize that it's very expensive to hold a license and the insurance and everything else, and mm-hmm. they eventually drop it after they buy a couple of properties. And I think that's natural. There's, there is a romantic side of this business where people think, oh, I'll have a free schedule and do anything I want when I want. Yeah. Then they realize you're basically they working retail hours, yeah. and if you don't, yeah. you're, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities, which pay the bills. So it's a different business. I mean, you do have to, as you enter into real estate, you have to understand that you're in a customer service-driven industry. Mm-hmm. It's your customer experience. That's all that matters because that's all they remember, how you treated them and, and what ended up happening, right? So if you can't be there when they need you, you know, that's probably not yeah. the right trade. Mike, you've seen a lot of uh, realtors come into the business, obviously. You've yep. you've helped them get there. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see, um, the ones that have become successful, mm-hmm. what do you see them doing? That's a really, really good question. I think a big chunk of what we see for the success rate is that if I can trust you, and going back to the previous segment, mm-hmm. You know, when Andy was talking a little bit about what the trust factor that what we call fiduciary in our trade, a consumer needs to be able to trust you. Mm-hmm. And by far and ahead of anything else, trustworthiness is the most important. And if I cannot extrude that, uh, explain it to a consumer, you know, they're not going to use me to help them with the largest financial transaction of their life. So let me rip a Band-Aid off something that's been bothering me aggressively is oh this. Boy. Oh, God. Get ready, Mike. Here it goes. Okay. Here we go. Get the attorneys on speed now. <laughs> no, the, so all of these companies that are out there right now saying, we'll buy your house. And they act like they're real estate agents. They act like they're real estate companies. And they sit there and basically they're Wall Street wholesalers. They have national Wall Street money. And they're in there acting like they're a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. And they, oh, we'll take care of everything. We're just as easy as they are. When are we going to start getting to the disclosure of the truth that they're actually, you should be traded with the SEC or whatever. They're, They're publicly traded companies buying at a corporate level with Wall Street money, buying houses. You know, you can name the companies. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them that just switched over, you know, you got the Zillows and the Open Doors yeah. and all these companies that are operating like real estate agents, but they're not. Yeah. It's like what Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett said in 2009. If I had a billion dollars to buy houses, I'd buy up every house I could buy right now. And the whole thing, is it a novelty? Is it a phase? Is it something that's here to stay? Um, you know, we've all three been through ups and downs in this industry. Right. And we've seen it. Is it a novelty or a phase type of process? I, I don't know, but... Well, you know, but here's the thing. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. making fun of it because there yeah. is the the easy click one button. But the problem I have is that most of Americans have a majority of their equity in their, house. in their houses. Yeah. That's and that's their biggest part of their worth. And so when you give it away just to make a one click easy transaction, it really bothers me. And then I think what's happening is people only shop the investors, mm-hmm. you know, and then they the easy 
spend the time to interview a couple of real estate agents too, because that could be a $50,000 swing in your right. favor. Right. And that person has the fiduciary responsibilities, whereas the investors do not. Right. We have to tell you what your house is really worth. We don't tell you what, quote, wink, wink market value is and then give you a discount off of their market value. Sure. That could be 50% under real value. But don't you think too, Andy, that, I mean, it has a little to do with the whole HGTV thing too, that people think, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we have to totally remodel our house. And they don't really know what they're doing, but they're not going to the right source to find out that, hey, sometimes it's just cleaning up and maybe paint. Right. You don't, yeah. you don't have to always put in new countertops, backsplash, carpet, roof, ceilings, whatever. You don't my my do rub that. is the consumer perception. When you're saying that you're acting and, and doing business like you're a trusted source, a real estate agent, but they don't have the fiduciary responsibilities that the rest of us do. Yeah. That's where I see the problem. I, I see it as being the wolf in the Little Red Riding Hood's outfit. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're sweet. Come on in. And they're actually a wolf. And, and, yeah. and I just I, I look at it that way until they start disclosing properly what and who they are and why they're doing it to the consumer. I, I just I think that we should yeah. be tagging them see, as something other than a now, real estate company. Now, after you've been saying this, they want to kick us off the radio. Now we got to go. So anyways, Mike, how does <laughs> they advertise more than me with their How does someone get licensed? We can't talk to you. Go to mnrealtyschool.com. Sign up for our class. And we'd be happy to help you through the entire yeah, process. It's a fun process. Too. It really is. It really it is. is. Yeah. You can go to andyandrooney.com Andy and or yeah. prasky.com, chrisrooney.com. Yes. Sure or can. Andy Rooney. Yeah. Andy. Get a combination. We tried that one. They didn't have it. So <laughs> we had to go Andy and Apparently Rooney. somebody else took that one Dot years com. ago. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Very good, guys. We'll uh, be back again uh, next week. And I hope you join us then. Keep in mind, too, that the real estate show, all of our shows, here on Saturday, we'll be at the uh, Minnesota State Fair. Kind of hard to believe. It's going to be just a matter of days, really, from uh, from right now. So, uh, Chris and Andy, thanks very much. We'll uh, see you next week back here on 830-WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.